you were asking about Kansas earlier and what I love about it. One of the things is it's just like these people that you know you idolize for years are at this race. My buddy said, you know, Jens Voigt is here today, and oh, he had yeah. signed up under a different name. Oh. But he was there, you know, and I thought, how cool is this? You know, like, I just, this guy's finished the tour 17 times. He's worn the yellow jersey more than once. And so on the last leg of the race, I caught up to him and I saw him and it, he had the jersey. It was all personalized. And I'm like, dude, are you Jens Voigt or are you just wearing his jersey? And he said, <laughs> I'm actually him. And I'm like, that's freaking awesome, man. Give me a fist bump. And it's in my video. Yeah. So anyway, we're riding together and there's like a group of four of us and we're all taking our turns. He's on the front and he rolls back and he doesn't hook on to the back of the three of us. And I said to the guys, I'm like, guys, this is the chance of a lifetime. I said, when are you ever going to get to beat Jens Voigt in a bike race? I'm like, we got to go right now. And both the guys are like, dude, I'm so tired. I don't want to go. And I'm like, all right, I'm going by myself. So I just put the hammer down and went in and beat Jens Voigt. It was crazy. <laughs> From KOM Cycling and Michigan Midpack Media, welcome to the Dirty Chain Podcast, the podcast that covers the cycling scene from the viewpoint of the Michigan Midpack. I am your host, Trevor. And this is Sheldon. And on this episode, we sit down and chat with nationally accomplished ultra distance fat bike racer, infamous course designer, local Michigander, father of Mark Krantz. <laughs> I don't think that last one's true no i i, t I definitely believe that like, i mean look at the facts look at, look at how they ride they spell their last name differently i, I think that's just to throw people off <laughs> not father of mark krantz mr believe roy what, krantz believe what you want <laughs> we had a great conversation with roy krantz about being a multiple dk fat bike champion four consecutive years four consecutive going years going on number five if it maybe, happens, maybe. we'll get to that. <laughs> and um, uh, two-time coast-to-coast fat bike champion, Margie Gessick buckle, buck buckler. In 15. Buckler. Buckler, buckler winner. Hmm. <laughs> we should ask Todd, what, what, what is the proper terminology for someone that's gotten the buckle? I like buckler. Buckler. And of course, we hear all about his very, I wouldn't call it popular, Infamous is the correct word, I think. Um, I, I feel like he's made a lot of enemies through he, his, he, his, his own course. So at least in Roy's defense, he doesn't take any money from you. He just takes your legs. <laughs> yes, we hear about <laughs> his uh, free event, the Kranza, that's been going on since 2016, I believe. Yeah, it started off as just a training event. Which is known for uh, being incredibly hard and sandy. Um, so we'll hear a little bit more of that before we get into that conversation with Roy, Sheldon, we've been kind of on a little break here the last few weeks. I've been on vacation. We've been kind of taking a little time off from the podcast, but you know, we've been cranking them out the last, uh, you know, we had a busy uh, spring. We had a very busy spring, despite um, 
well, the shutdown of everything else. But, <laughs> but yeah, we, we took a little break. Um, I went to um, Smoky Mountains National Park. And you got some rides on. You, you actually found some elevation. I found some elevation, which is much different than here in mid-Michigan. Um, but, uh, yeah, some great riding if you get to it early in the morning. They're, it's not really the best riding area I took my gravel bike, and there's literally no gravel down there <laughs> at all. Sounds um, like Ohio. <laughs> everything is paved, and um, even the most back road of back road, though, is the most beautiful tarmac that you have ever seen. Not a, not a pothole, not a crack. Um, it was pretty incredible. And there's one good pass that goes through Smoky, Mo- uh, Smoky Mountain National Park um, that I really wanted to uh, ride over very busy with cars there's not a not a big shoulder but um i did get up really early one morning and get over that pass and it was it's like 14 miles up and uh it was it was pretty incredible like i got up to the top and couldn't see anything because there's a reason it's called the smoky mountains haze everywhere yeah but um how were the how was the temperature down there for you um temperatures were good i mean I mean, listen, right now it's like a heat wave here in Michigan. We have like a 10-day spree of 92-degree heat. I mean, it's like 8.30 p.m. We're sitting on my porch right now, and it's got to be 90 degrees in here right now. Well, speaking of rides, you and I went for a ride yesterday. We did go for a ride, and it was... It was not yesterday. It was two days ago. Two two days ago. It was like the heat of the day. Um, Yeah, we left at noon. That was terrible. It was a dumb idea. (laughs) (laughs) I drink like two liters of water in thirty-seven miles. I just I just took two bottles, and I should not have taken oh, that was two bottles. Stupid idea. <laughs> yeah, um, but it's it's been hot. Um, down in Tennessee, it was um, it was still hot during the day, but um, in the morning it was pretty pleasant, sixty some degrees, uh, super humid. But I was yeah, it was it was great to actually get into the mountains, do some do some riding in the mountains, and uh, experience that and. This this climb is pretty gradual. The mm-hmm. the grade isn't too bad, um, and it's so spread out within that 14 mile uh, period that um, there's not like really bad switchbacks, nothing like that. So when I turned around to go down it, man, you just flew. It was <laughs> it was a ton of fun. Really, not a lot of places you had to hit your brakes. So what about uh, what was your peak speed? Well, you're on your gravel bike. I'm on my gravel bike, but. Lesson. I mean, not not only that. I'm a I'm a wimp when it comes to that. So, <laughs> I think it was. I didn't even come close to hitting fifty. Uh, I once I get over forty five, I kind of like start feathering. The yes, br- exactly. A little I, bit. I, I I get a little uh, scared. But but no, it was a great time. It was it was a great time. But most of all, we went down there and we had some amazing hiking. Got some amazing hiking in. Got out of town for a little bit. Got out of town for a little bit. And um, but yeah. Um, uh, yeah, a lot of things have happened since well, then we've you, last had a podcast. You, but you got back into town. I got back into town, and it was right around the time of uh, when Coast to Coast was supposed to happen. Mm-hmm. Kind of in the whole spirit of Ted King, I thought I would go out and do a DIY gravel of Coast to Coast. Now, I think it's supposed to be the same distance, close to the same elevation, Um I think coast to coast is 214, 215 miles, something like that. Yeah, yeah, it's in that range. I did 200. I thought that was sufficient enough. Um, no, 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 no. Get back out there. <laughs> you, owe us, you owe us 14 more miles. Nowhere near the same amount of elevation. Uh, probably 
half as much as the elevation would be if uh, for the actual coast to coast. I didn't go through through the Manistee National Forest or anything <laughs> like that, just around Lansing, and which is flat as a pancake. But I did get in a solo 200 mile ride of gravel. Of gravel, yes, and it was it was tough. I just broke it off into two sections. I did one big hundred mile loop. I came home, filled up on on food, had a little lunch, and then did another hundred mile loop on the other side of Lansing. And uh, yeah, it was, it was a long, long. You, you cranked. Day. You were over seventeen. I w- Yeah, it was. It was a. It was. It was a lot of work, <laughs> especially <laughs> by yourself. And I do want to say that there was a little more motivation than just the coast to coast. Some of our friends the weekend before went up towards like around the Traverse City area. Mm-hmm. So there was um, uh, Mitch DeYoung, Sebastian Stankowitz, Brett Miller, and Roy Krantz. Yep. They they all went up there and they did like three days of amazing riding. I think they hit like almost 300 miles throughout that whole time. And I was just getting back from vacation. I couldn't join them. And I just thought, oh, I'm so jealous of, <laughs> of all that distance and all all that great riding and so i had to prove to myself not to anyone else just to myself that i could accomplish that on my own it was not the same experience that they had but it was enough so i know that i um will be ready for the crusher which Mm -hmm. is coming up later this month yeah and uh and i have to thank sebastian stankowitz actually for this episode because he was on that little trip with um little trip on that trip with roy krantz and they got to talking and sebastian came back and said you need to interview roy krantz (laughs) and we had thought about it of course about talking to him but he's been on the list for a while for a while but yeah it made me like yeah i need to i need to hit him up and we need to we need to chat with him so thank you sebastian um so I was pretty happy about that 200 miler, I have to say, until a couple days later, I go on Strava and I see that Nick Stanko did a coast to coast XL solo edition, 410 miles. Holy crap. Did you see this? No. He went from, he started in Gross Isle, rode to South Haven, turned around and rode back. Holy crap. 410 miles. Did he do it straight through? I believe he did. 24 hours, um, 410 miles, put my 200 miles <laughs> to shame. <laughs> I think he put everyone's ride to shame that week. Of course. But of course, I guess if you're, if you're going to be um, upstaged by someone... I'm okay with it being Nick Stanko because not only is he a fantastic rider, but he's just a great guy. So, Nick, congrats on an incredible ride, and thanks for upstaging me, I guess. <laughs> so, was that, was that a gravel ride? Gravel, yeah. He actually put a whole write-up on, um, on his Facebook post, and I think on Strava he had a little um, update about that. Yeah, insane. I And... It seems like it wasn't the easiest ride for him. 410 miles, of course, it wouldn't be the yeah. easiest ride for someone. But um, Holy crap, I did not see that. Yeah. Be sure to check out episode 16, if you haven't yet, um, where we had a chance to sit down and talk with the crazy man himself, Nick Stanko. Um, but yeah, Sheldon, it's been, it has been a couple weeks, and I've, I've done a couple other things. I went up to Traverse City, got some riding done there, hung out with uh, Cody Sovis, um, met Ty Schmidt, who uh, I think I mentioned 
in our interview with Roy, who um, started Norte. So mm-hmm. we had a cool conversation about that. Hopefully we can get Ty on the podcast in the near future to talk about Norte. Um, but yeah, I've had a great few weeks of, of riding, and uh, it's been a good break. Um, but I'm ready to kind of get back into the podcast swing. What What have you been up to? You've been working a lot. You've been doing a little bit of riding lately. A little We've bit of riding. Some... A little bit of riding. You and I went out the other day, but yeah. uh, mostly work. Mostly work. A lot of work. How's the uh, How's the wrenching going? The bike shop. Good. Good. Learning a lot. Uh, busy. The bike shop is just swamped twenty four seven. Now, I mean. What you hear on the news and from other bike shops that um, there's like a, a, a shortage of bikes. Is oh, that a reality? There's a shortage of everything. Really? Like there was even a section of time where we were having to patch 26 or tires because we couldn't even replace. <laughs> we had none in stock and you couldn't even get them ordered. Really? Yeah, it's been. It's I may have some old 26 tubes that I could sell back to you Can't even <laughs> order flat pedals. Flat pedals? Oh, jeez. Can't find them. That none. Is, Nothing. That is Doesn't matter how cheap you want to go. But you guys are staying busy. Yeah, service is swamped. Uh, you know, all the people, you know, dragging their old 15-year-old bikes out of the garage. That kind of seems to be the ongoing trend, trend of, if I can't replace my bike, fix my old one. Yes, that, that makes sense. And, you know, I'm happy that people are getting out and riding their bike. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, hopefully that's something that continues. And it... it uh, I, I guess affects self- cycling culture in a, in a positive way. Yeah, even if you're not racing, just being out riding. I mean, you don't have to be wearing a kit to be a cyclist. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And listen, we're not going to really be doing much racing no. at all. <laughs> it looked like we had some racing a couple weeks ago with Mohican, and uh, I've seen some individual time trial stuff happening, but more and more things are getting canceled. I just heard there didn't, I haven't seen like a, a formal announcement, but I did hear that uh, Belgian Waffle Ride for Asheville has been canceled or moved to 2021. So in my mind, that's canceled. Yeah, that's canceled. Um, which is a huge bummer because I was looking forward to doing that this year for the inaugural Asheville Belgian Waffle Ride. Um, it's hard to see Dirty Kansas sticking around. I mean, I, I think it's still on the calendar it's for on September. The calendar. We, we still have a, quite a few here in Michigan on the calendar, but I mean, it, with our current events, it's kind of getting hard to see how putting a couple thousand people together is going to work out. Uh, yeah, I agree. Um, but at this point, and this point in the season, I'm okay with just riding outside and, uh, you know, racing can wait if it, if it means that see we, in 2021 see in 2021 and if it means we all can stay healthier then uh, do i want to be racing yes i do do i want to be watching pro racing right now yes i do oh also we heard that uh today july 1st when we're recording this that usa cycling canceled al- everything almost all um uh championships for 2020 um and we learned something new today never knew there was a championship for grand fondo how does that work? I thought the entire point of a Grand Fondo was it's not a race. I think <laughs> I knew it existed, but I am wondering exactly how that works. Are there timed segments? <laughs> and and I don't know. That's it, interesting. It seems gonna... to defeat the entire purpose of a Grand Fondo. We'll have to dig into that and yeah. figure that out um, a little. But seeing that on the website was definitely like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, but... Um, but regardless, we can still get out and uh, do our own thing. Mm-hmm. And like you said, 
being a cyclist isn't about racing, isn't about wearing the brand new kit or even a brand new bike. It's just getting out and enjoying Put riding. your butt in the saddle. Correct. So I wanted to address something before we get a little f- too much further, but um, uh, Sheldon and I are both aware that there has been an ongoing conversation recently with, um, well, the the race Dirty Kanza and with the name Dirty Kanza. The and name, the fountain. I mean, there's the, kind of a, l- a little bit of controversy. Yeah. Um, maybe a lot of bit of controversy. And we are aware of that and we want to be sensitive to that um, and acknowledge that. As we're talking to Roy and even right now, um, we still will refer to it as Dirty Kanza until we have something else to refer to it as. It's just hard to talk about it without having a name to put to, towards sure. it. I mean, it's... And maybe, maybe the more appropriate thing, I guess, would be for us to ca- just call it DK. Yeah, DK um, 200 or... Sure. Um, but we just wanted to acknowledge that and acknowledge the sensitivity of it. And we know that it's an ongoing conversation right now in the cycling community. And uh, as that kind of progresses, then we will um, have a better idea of how to... Um, address it address it and refer to it so we just we just wanted to make sure and address that now so with that said let's get into our conversation with fat bike maniac roy krantz maniac from midland Like, that bio you sent was super cool, and, like, that's just kind of what we'd like to talk about. Cool. It's just, like, your your stuff, you know? Like, the things that you do and the races you've done and, um, and then, of course, the Kranza and yeah. the, the pain you put people through. <laughs> <laughs> There's been a lot lately. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, we actually have a, a review from one of our friends. We'll uh, wait on that. We'll wait on we're going to wait on that. Yep. But, uh, a recent review. All right. So, so did you have, like, a goal this year? Like, like how much sand can I put people through? No, honestly, <laughs> I mean, you know, this this whole thing started as a, I don't want to get blown away at Kanza, so mm-hmm. I need to do something big, you know, just to prepare mentally and physically. So I went out there by myself and did the 170, and then I thought, like, I'm never doing this by myself again. <laughs> this is terrible. How'd you, how'd you come up with the course itself? Um, just looking at maps. I really enjoy putting together courses, and I have a, a, one of those Atlas books, and it tells you which roads are gravel and which ones aren't. Oh, really? really? And I hadn't been to most of those places before, but it just looked like it would, you know, be a good route just based on what I was seeing on paper. And then, uh, obviously, sometimes you got to modify things. It doesn't work out. But um, I, I thought the race is about 200 miles, the Kanza. Yep. So I want to do something that's, you know, about 85% of that. Because, like, if you're running a marathon, they say don't run the whole thing before you go. Just do 20 miles or yep. something. So that was the idea. A couple guys said they were going to go with me that day, but things came up and they couldn't. This was the first year yeah. you did it. Was it, what year was that then? 2016. 16, yeah. yeah. And so then I got to the second lap and my butt was hurting, you know, it was <laughs> terrible. And so I started looking at the map and I'm like, how do I cut this short? And then I'm like, I can't cut the race short. Like, I just got to suck it up and, and go for it, you know. And so I did and, you know, I finished it and I thought, okay, now I'm ready. And so, and then it's just become an annual thing. Uh, more and more people want to do it. 
Um, so we did it for four years, but one year we couldn't do it in the spring. It just, we had an ice storm. It was like highways were closed and it was just weird. Mm -hmm. So we moved that to like July and that was, it was a disaster because it was about a hundred <laughs> degrees. The biting flies were out. Uh. So that year nobody finished. We, we all did one <laughs> lap and then we sat around and drank beers and it was, it was still a lot of fun. Uh, but that was the only year no one finished. Um, and the guy I was with uh, says, like, I'm not going to let you do a second lap. I said, don't worry, I have no intent. <laughs> it was crazy. Now, um, do you always do it on a fat tire? Um, that year I didn't, and I probably should have because the sand was worse. It was summer, and it was, you know. And then th that's where the bugs were, where the sand was. It was like this just four miles of sand where you're walking a lot of it and bugs were you know the flies were just biting like crazy and so the sand was just, like it was you didn't seek out the sand it just happened to be a very sandy course well actually the main the first four years it's an 85 mile loop that you do twice and there's a, a section of sustained sand that's maybe two or three miles. It's not bad, and sometimes it's great. Mm -hmm. You know, like you can ride it on any bike. Sure. It really depends on the weather and stuff. But this year, I wanted to do something different. It's the fifth annual, you know, at, at Margie for the fifth annual, they did the out and back, right? Yeah. So I thought, I'm going to do something different. And when I did Kansas in 2019... They eliminated the 100-mile checkpoint, so you could no longer meet your crew halfway through the race. Too many people quit there, so they eliminated that possibility. Oh yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah. So all they had there was water and ice, and if your guy showed up with your car, you're out of the race. Like, they kick you out. You cannot, you know, meet, meet up with your guy there. Oh, my God. So I thought, well... Maybe it's it's got to be similar for my thing because a lot of people say I'm doing the 170, you know, and they get to their car at 85 and they're like I'm done. Yeah. One guy was you know ahead of me, one of my buddies, and he does Kansas every year, and I pull up and he's he's wearing jeans and drinking a beer. I'm like, what the hell are you doing? I got another <laughs> lap. He's like, oh, I'm done. <laughs> like, really? So I figured if I make it 170, it's going to be something that more people will finish. So I had this idea in like early December. So I have a buddy that loves to drive. I mean, he's got a big, you know, off-road truck. And so I'm like, hey, you want to spend the day scouting this course? He's like, you know I do. So, <laughs> you know, we went out and everything's frozen. It was, there was a little bit of snow, solid. Everything was solid, <laughs> you know. And I thought, this is beautiful. This is going to be a great course. Everybody's going to love it, you know. But in reality, once the, the ground thawed, it was a lot of sand. Once the I moisture mean, drained, it was... It's like 60 miles of sand. I mean, and it's it's <laughs> nasty. The first time I rode... Well, I've only ridden the whole thing once. I called my wife at, like halfway through, and I said, I just need a little moral support. She's like, you want me to pick you up? I'm like, no, I don't want that. I just, <laughs> I just, I just need you to talk me through this. You know? It's like, do I want you to? Yes. Am yeah. I going to ask? No. Right. So it's, yeah, the new course has a ton of sand, um, and it's, you know, I mean, people, I think, are enjoying it in a Todd Poquette sort of way, you know, I mean, because it's a lot of suffering, but next year, we just, I just rode the new course for next year, which I just put together, mm -hmm. it's awesome. Yeah, I mean, you said it was less sand. The new parts of the course have no sand at all, so it climbs to the second highest point in the lower peninsula, 
it uses the white pine trail so you get some relief from the gravel and it's totally safe you know because you're not on a road but it's smooth pavement um, there is some pavement because to get to these little general stores and stuff you're not going to do that on a gravel road right. so yeah. you know one of the big challenges with the big course the 170 this year is that there's no services like when i rode it i think i carried six bottles and I got to that 48-mile gas station, and I thought, I've only gone through two bottles. Like, I'm not going to go fill up. Well, then I got into that course, and I'm going, you know, less than 10 miles an hour through the sand. And I'm like, I'm never going to make it. <laughs> and so I knew there were a couple houses on the route, and I was just praying that somebody would be outside. And this is like, you know, everybody's nervous about COVID. And so I see this guy, and I'm like, sir could you turn on your spigot and I could just fill up my bottles? I, we don't have to get close together, but I, I'm all out of water. <laughs> and he's like, absolutely. So that worked out well. But then I just thought, oh, oh man, God. for the event, I think we're going to have some water for people uh -huh. at about mile 95. So the sand starts at about 59. Uh -huh. And I think it goes until, I don't know, 120 or something. So if we have water at 95... That's a good time to, you know. But the new course, the 2021 course, that's going to have a gas station at 61, 85, 133. And then there's a, a free spring water that shoots right out of a pipe at like 152. So oh, there's, nice. I mean, we did the whole course last weekend and we only stopped at the halfway point in the spring and, mm -hmm. and we were able, and it was hot. So, yeah, yeah. so that'll be really good. Now, did I also see a 250? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing with that. I just you just I, put it together. I just thought. Well, I mean, I just thought somebody like you know how many nut jobs are in Michigan. Oh, yeah. Somebody's <laughs> somebody's gonna do probably it. like next yeah. week. Someone's gonna be like oh, go out there and hunt that down. But what was it? You it was like you strung together. It's all the courses oh. combined. Yeah. Oh, so you're getting the 60 miles of sand. You're getting yes, and it starts there. So I was kind enough to let you get that out of the way first because I figured if you got there after you've gone 150 miles. Oh, yeah. You're not going to be happy. I mean, like, for real, not just like joking, <laughs> like, you're flipping me off in the picture is kind of a funny joke. I yeah. mean, you'll really be pissed at me. So, well, I do have a, actually, this would be a good time to read this, but so our friend Tristan Smith, he, uh, he bought a bear claw this year. Um, but he went out with a few guys with, um, Jaron, Jaron, Ron, and, and Ron, yeah. and, Ned and, and I think Ned did part of it or and brad too i think wheeler oh, okay yeah. oh brad wheeler went yeah. out with him okay. um and he was gonna uh well he attempted the 170 and he pulled out at like 95 and so i i actually didn't even ask him about how he felt about it he just offered it to me <laughs> and i don't know if you knew that this would this might be public knowledge now but he said uh yeah that course was a beast i'm not mad at or have a dislike for Roy per se. <laughs> I'm more impressed that he was able to string so many sandy sections together with seemingly little solid gravel breaks. <laughs> he said the sand was as advertised demoralizing. It really crushed my soul. So anyways, yeah, that's that's a, a pretty good review for Nice. I, I don't I don't think he gave a, uh, five stars, I think. <laughs> nice. That's good. Oh, no, that's five middle fingers. Five middle fingers. Oh, yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so the sand wasn't really by design. I mean, so it's kind of, 
I think it's kind of cool that it turned out this way just because people just seem to love to suffer and once you complete something like that it's like hey I did it you know oh, yeah. <laughs> when you initially um were creating the route for yourself for a training route for Dirty Kanza um I mean, you were doing Dirty Kanza on a fat bike, right? Yes, so it yep. probably just worked out that you were riding the correct bike, right? even if it was a very sandy situation. Exactly. Yeah, um, it was just by chance. Yeah. yeah. Um, do you recommend people ride fat bikes for the... We'll get back to that. Hey, hey. That's hey. Buckley. This might be a... He, he causes a lot of editing issues. <laughs> this might be a 15-minute break okay, as, he, sure. as he, like... Yeah. <laughs> But I'll remember that uh, about the fat bike okay. thing. Huh? That was <laughs> that was, that was remarkably it, huh? quick. A that, lot of times he just stares at people and barks at them for like fifteen minutes. Hey, what's the status on the pizza? Like we're we're gonna get into like a an emotional conversation. Roy will start crying or something. We're really and then, the pizza, will and then the pizza will like, show. We're hungry. <laughs> no, I'm gonna be crying if the pizza doesn't 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 come. So this Copper Harbor Ale is solid. You like it? Yeah, yeah. Um, let's, I, I love I love red amber. We should ales. talk a little bit about it, but like the that uh, Roy brought Midland Brewing Company beer, which uh, I've never had it. Have you ever had it? Sheldon? No, this is this is a first for me, and I like how all three of us are drinking the exact same one. Well, I'm well, on my second one. <laughs> Roy just cracked a new one, but we all all you three brought of us, a driver. <laughs> exactly. All, all three of us uh, started off with the uh, Copper Harbor Ale, and it's kind of a red amber ale. It is good. Sheldon and I pre-gamed a little bit before you got here, so nice. that's <laughs> well. We we pre-gamed first at my house with a with a, margarita, a canned margarita, <laughs> canned margarita. Well, that's before the ride. That was well, no, this was within the ride. Within <laughs> the ride, because uh, that was at the tail end. We were basically we had ten done. miles left. Yep. So we stopped mm-hmm. in my house. It's from uh, my house to here. It's ten miles, and we stopped there because I wanted to grab a bag with a change of clothes. And uh, thank you, by the way. Yeah. That would have been gross if you're still in your kit right now. <laughs> Just, <laughs> here's some antifungals. Yeah. Um, and then we, well, before we left, I was like, do you want a canned margarita? Absolutely. Uh, we're, it, we were just sitting there just like drenched in sweat, and it, it hit the spot. The, was it a little salty, too? Or? Uh, it doesn't really have that. I wish it did have that yeah. saltiness. Yeah, this was just out of a can. Um, shall we get back into it a little bit? You're yeah, eating, but that's fine. We'll... That's okay. Um, but we did, we took a kind of a necessary pizza and beer break, <laughs> but I think we can get right back into it. I don't, I, I remember we were talking about your fat bikes and I do want to know kind of how that whole fat biking thing started. Um, cause that's, I mean, fat biking is, we've talked about it a lot in previous podcasts, but it's kind of a necessary thing if you want to bike year round, right. but you seem to... You, you fully s- embraced it. You yes. fully embraced the, yes. the fat bike. So when did that all start? Uh, my good buddy Eric Carlson just talked about this buck saw and how awesome it was and how he needs to get one. And so we, um, I ride for Ray's Bike Shop, which is a amazing shop in Midland, Bay City, and Clare. Mm-hmm. And uh, at the time, I was on Revolution Racing, which was sponsored by Ray's. They didn't have their own team at the time. But they allowed, like, one or two guys on the team to get a bike at cost. 
you know, that was part of the deal or whatever that, that was negotiated at the time. And somehow I got lucky enough to get it. And I thought this buck saw is super expensive and, <laughs> yeah. you know, being able to get one cheaper would be great. So I just, I got one and it's so much fun to ride. I mean, it's, you know, you don't have to be as careful about picking your lines. And it's, uh, you know, when you go to Kansas, I think Acker had seven flats one year in 2016, and you're a lot less likely to get a flat on the fat bike. So it just became, you know, like a blast. It was like being a kid again on a bike, and I just had so much fun on it that... You were you were racing, you were doing, like, dabbling in some other racing, though. I mean, you were on Ray's uh, team, or, or the, the, the team already. Right. Um, and uh, when you bought it, were you like, I'm going to race with this bike? Or did you just buy it to, to go have fun on it? You know, I I loved racing like BMX as a kid, but didn't know what I was doing and kind of got away from it. Um, I had buddies that were still doing races here and there telling me, you got to do Iceman, you got to do Ord Shore. And I'm like, you know, not doing any training or anything. And so I did Iceman, I think, in 2010. And... I was like sick that day and I, my chain broke twice and I thought like oh, this geez. sucks. No, it was, it was way before that. It was 2002 and I thought I'm never doing this again and it was, you know, years <laughs> before I ever raced again but somebody's like Brian Rise, my buddy is like or to shore the hard rock 48 miles you're you're a total man if you do that race you know and i'm like <laughs> I, guess I, I guess i gotta do it you know <laughs> so i did that race in 2010 and i thought hey yeah I'm, I'm you know hot stuff i did this race and i feel great and i looked at my results and they were horrible compared to everybody else and i'm just like what's what's wrong here and i i weighed myself and i was over 210 pounds and I'm like, I gotta, I gotta change my life. That's all there is to it. Like, you know, I was like, I don't know. I guess so not the, eating bacon, cheddar, cheeseburger, I, pizza. I went, I went <laughs> vegetarian, um, 11 years ago. Nice. But I lost like over 30 pounds, and I kept it off. And so that was the big motivation initially was just to lose weight and be more healthy. Mm-hmm. So I did that, and then I just kind of. You know, like really liked the racing, so I was doing the short cross-country stuff. They had, at the time, they had the Tailwind Series and also the MMBA. So I was doing both, but I was getting shellacked. I mean, I was like 20, I don't know, 14. I was, my best finish was uh, sixth place in sport. So that was my best. That was like the the race of the, you know, the year for me. And... The year before that, I had bought this bike, and this guy says, you know, hey, I got this mountain biker's training Bible. You you think you're ever going to race this bike? And I'm like, yeah, I might race this bike. So the guy's like, here, take this book. So I took the book, and it's, like, super technical, and I didn't read it, and I put it in the basement. And I was doing the 2014 races, getting killed in all the races, and one of my buddies, neighbor of mine, who's, like, much older than me, uh, he passed me in a race, and I'm like, oh, Simon, I'm going to stay with Simon. I couldn't stay with him. So at the end, I'm like, what do you do? Because I need to do what you do, because you're fast. And he's like, oh, well, I have this mountain biker's training Bible by Joe Friel, and I just follow that. 
And I'm like, oh my God, I think I have that book. <laughs> and so I went in the basement. I'm like, please tell me I didn't sell this on eBay. And I, I still had it. So I went through it that winter and I highlighted a bunch of stuff and I developed this plan and I like coached myself. And I went out to the first spring race, the Rush Shaker, and I won by like five minutes over, over everybody in the sport. And I'm like, this wow. is awesome. <laughs> so I, I entered the MMBA series and won every race. And then once I had enough to win the series, I moved up to expert and I podiumed in every race. And just from this book, you know, doing intervals and, you know, having a focus, it was incredible. Were you on a, a trainer that winter or were you doing kind uh, of... The, yeah, I was doing the trainer. Doing trainer yeah. mostly. But I was just following this plan, you know, where they tell you how often to do an interval mm -hmm. and how, you know, I mean, it's... It's a great book. It really is. And you can get it for two bucks used on, you know, Amazon or whatever. So I bought that book for a couple other people that have been wanting to, you know, improve. And But then that year, um, I thought, you know, let's see where this can go. This is so much fun. So I hired Brian Motter, who has won Iceman four yeah. times. And I'm like... Local but, Michigan guy. Well, I, mean, I think he lives in Wisconsin. Well, he doesn't... Not anymore, but he... Okay. But he grew up here, maybe? I, I think yeah. so, yeah. Yeah. I think for, he's from Pinckney. Yeah, I like, think you're right. Yeah. So he, I never even met him until Iceman that year. So the whole time he was my coach, I never met him in person. And uh, that year was frustrating because the year before when I had coached myself, you know, every expert race I did, I podiumed. And then he says, we're going we're gonna to ramp up slow. You're not going to have good results at the beginning. So... It's going to be real good at Iceman. That's where you're going to peak, you know, and because and, that's his thing. He loves yeah. Iceman. And so, you know, I went to Yankee Springs and got annihilated, <laughs> you know, and I thought, this sucks. You know, this is terrible. I'm paying for but, this. <laughs> but and we went to training camp, Revolution Racing, down in Indiana, Brown County State Park. Mm -hmm. And they had this great agenda, and I sent it to my coach, and he goes, that looks like fun. Do you want to do that, or you want to do what I want you to do? <laughs> and I said, well, I'm paying you, so I'm going to do what you want. So I rode by myself the whole week at oh training camp. Yeah. because <laughs> That is dedication. Oh, I mean, I figured you got to do what, what he says. <laughs> but there were so many hard intervals that I would email him, and I'm like, you're the freaking devil, man. And... I mean, I, I couldn't complete them sometimes. Yeah. And, like, the, the over-under thing that he had me do, like, it took three or four times before I could even do it. <laughs> but it was great. I was 65th at Iceman overall, including the pros. And oh, it was a God. great year. But then, then I went to uh, a winter race. I went to the farmhand race in Grand Rapids, which was a, a really fun race. They didn't do it this year. You're not riding fat bike at this point, though. Right. Um, I think you? I think I did have a specialized fat boy. I hadn't gotten the buck saw yet. But that's not what you're like ice. I mean, you're obviously no. you're not riding that for nope. Ice Man. I was and, on and, a 29er yep. for the other stuff. Mm -hmm. Okay. But I met. So I did this uh, farmhand race, and part of if you're on the podium, they give you a gift certificate, and it was Grand Rapids Bicycle Company. And so I won that in like. January or something mm -hmm. and like October I hadn't spent it because we don't live real close to Grand Rapids but I had to come here to teach a class for police to become federal officers mm -hmm. and when I was here I'm like I should use that card you know I, so I, I had it and I looked and they had three different locations and I just randomly picked one and I went to it and Tyler Cuning was there <laughs> 
and I just like struck up this friendship with this guy and he was like telling me how awesome it was to do these long races. I, you know, I'd heard of Dirty Kansas, but I never thought I would ever do it. And he was just like romanticizing how great it was to do Margie Gessick. And this was 2015 that he had done it and, and, and Dirty Kansas, he was going to do these races. And I just like, it spoke to me, you know, because I had done a lot of things that were similar to that on foot. You know, we had hiked at Pictured Rocks. We hiked from Munising to Grand Marais and back without sleep, which is 85 miles. We started with like eight guys and two of us finished. Oh, my God. So it's 35 and a half hours. So the idea of a long race, you know, where you don't have to go super fast, it, it appealed to me. And that's the year that they had the deal on the, the team. You could get a bike at cost. Mm-hmm. And so everything fell into place. And it was the very first year they were going to do Fat Bike at Kansas. And I'm like, if I'm ever going to do well in Fat Bike at Kansas, it'll be the first year they do it. <laughs> so I'm like, this is what I'm going to do. So the day I was supposed to register for Kansas, I went uh, on this like customer appreciation thing for Ray's. They took us to Ray's Indoor Mountain Bike Park in Cleveland. I, I went up one of those berms so high I hit my head on the ceiling ended up in the hospital. But my son registered me for cancer, so <laughs> oh I'm in the Cleveland God. Clinic, you know, <laughs> possible concussion, and my son's registering me for cancer in June, you know, I mean, you know, so there was plenty of time to train, but it was crazy, so... I went to Kansas, and I just, like, I love that race so much. So that was in 15? 16. 16. Yeah. And 15 was, a... was the mud year. I missed that one, thank God. Oh, yeah, that's a, yeah, Acker was telling us about that year. Yeah. But, so 16, your first year, you went to Kansas, and you won the overall fat bike. And 35th overall. And 35th overall. Yeah. Wow, Holy that's, crap. How yeah. many people do you think were there in 2016? I think about 1,200. So still pretty big i mean i don't know if all of them there's there's different races lengths i'm not sure how many are in the long one but it's i think it's about 1200 yeah. that year you know. and now it's probably up to it's more than that it's, yeah. it's 2200 maybe i don't know it might be zero now because i don't know if <laughs> yeah right <laughs> who yeah. knows about the how um, are they doing about keeping you guys in the loop about they let us know pretty early that they were going to push it back to September, mm-hmm. um, but we haven't heard a whole lot since. I mean, obviously, they've been in the news for other reasons, mm-hmm. but... Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah. We were debating whether or not we wanted to talk about the, the, the Dirty Kansas name and the, the whole thing about that. And, well, and I mean, you... We, we were wondering, because didn't wasn't your race, so your last name is Kranz, yes. and you called it the... Didn't you call it the Dirty Kranza? I did. I got so a... you had your own little uh, deal with the, the, the Dirty Kanza name. and Well, and because, you know, it was the whole idea of my event was to prepare for Kanza. I mean, that was the only reason I set it up in the first place. And it was supposed to be three or four weeks from the race. Mm-hmm. And I got to know Leland Danes, who's one of the, you know, top guys at Dirty Kanza. And before my thing, you know, started to get a little bigger, I'm like, hey, you know, is it a problem? And he's like, oh, no, it's not a problem. And, I, you know, Lifetime bought Dirty Kanza, and then Jim Cummins called me. And he's like, you got to change the name. He called you? Oh, yeah, he called me. And it wasn't Leland, who I had talked to before yeah. and I'm, you know, friends with. <laughs> they, you know, they had the old dog call me and oh, say. Oh, my gosh. And I said, I love you guys. I'll change my name. No problem. Okay. I said, you know, my name is Kranz, right? So do you have a problem? Because 
Adam Bender, one of my buddies, he always just called it the Kranza. He never said dirty Kranza. Yeah. Yeah. So I just thought that's naturally yeah. what we're going to go to. I said, do you have a problem with that? You know, get rid of the dirty and just go with it. He said, no, that's no problem. Of course, now, who knows, because he's not there. But <laughs> right. so far, it's, you know, it's been good. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What a, what a kind of a mess that whole thing is. Yeah. Um, yeah, 2020 is uh, just keeps evolving. Oh yeah, <laughs> or devolving. I guess. Devolving. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I don't. I don't necessarily want to like get into the whole whole thing, but uh, I don't know. You may have an interesting take on on the whole name thing, D- Dirty Kansas itself, and yeah, because like I mean, for us who haven't really been connected with the race, I mean, we we've always heard Dirty Can or Dirty Kansas. You just think Kansas, Kansas, like, yeah. Right. You didn't, I didn't realize there was actually like, you know, like but I I had heard um, from before when it was kind of a it kind of came to a head earlier and Jim Cummins had talked like sat down with the Call Nation right. and they came to kind of an agreement that's what I and thought it was, too and it seemed fine um, but then I think it's also important to be sensitive to people that um, weren't maybe a part are, of that weren't a part of that exactly and i don't yeah i don't know i mean it's i didn't i mean i was ignorant of it i had no idea that it it kind of had like kansas had a connection to the call nation i had no idea i just thought it was kansas right um and there's different companies that have that name incorporated kansas yeah really yeah Hmm. yeah i had no idea it's a but it is that's an interesting thing and it I'm I'm wondering how the biggest race in gravel, and actually it's the biggest race in the United States now for sure. Um, how this is going to affect it? Yeah, you just don't. I just don't know. Right. Um, but I've seen a lot of uh, um, strong opinions on both sides. Yeah. And I don't want to. <laughs> I don't think it's our place to <laughs> to stir that. To state, I agree. To state. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> so. Sixteen, you you won Dirty Kansas, Fat yep. Bike, yeah. And then how many consecutive Dirty Kansas did you win on the Fat Bike? Then four, four, yeah. So and I'm, so every every one you've been to, every one they've had for Fat Bike, yeah. You know? Everyone they've had for Fat yep. Bike. That's so that was the last one was last year. Yeah. Okay. And you were planning on going back this year. Oh for, yeah. Or or will go back. I love it. Okay. I love that race. So yeah, you had expressed. Um, about that, like about even changing the Kranza or Dirty Kranza to Kranza, but you said that you love the race and the people and the and the place. Like what, what? Um, a lot of people have talked about how much they love Dirty Kranza. Like why? Why do you specifically love that race and that event? I mean, it's first of all, you go to the town and it's this quaint, you know, old-fashioned Main Street. And every shop in town has something Kansas related. Even if it's some woman's clothing store, they have a bike that they'll put out and sidewalk chalk and all kinds of banners. And so the whole town kind of like gets excited about it. And then the race starts and ends right there on Main Street. So they shut it down. They have all these food vendors. They have these uh, barricades. And it looks like the end of a Tour de France stage when you come in. You know, I mean, it's a long day. And you come in and there's all these kids wanting to slap hands with you and there's people lining the streets and it's like a big party. I mean, it's amazing. So 
the town embraces it. It's just beautiful when you're out there. I mean, it's nothing like Michigan. There's no shade. It's like 90 <laughs> degrees, and you always have a lot of wind. But the course, like that was that was sounds our, fantastic. Yeah, <laughs> that was our ride today. I feel like I don't know. We're except just in cornfields. Except it was 60 miles and not 200. Yeah, and I remember the first year we had this nasty headwind, and I, you know, I went alone. And I'm going. I'm working as hard as I can, and I look down. First of all, I look around. I can't see anybody in front of me, nobody behind me, no cars, no houses. I mean, I'm like on the moon, and I'm going eight miles an hour as fast as I can. Oh my god! And I thought there's got to be three or four fat bikers working together that are gonna catch me, you know, before the end. And thankfully not. But it's just, you know, it's beautiful out there. It's very different from what you're used to, and. There's people like constantly on the sides fixing flats. Um, <laughs> lots of photographers, you know, lots of townspeople that you pass by their house and they're out there with a cooler full of water for people. You know, it's awesome. Yeah, it's amazing. So, do you uh, do you ride drop bars or straight nope, bars? Just regular bars. I actually have the Bontrager Satellite Elite, so mm-hmm. they have little horns on them. Okay. So they're I, you can I change your grip, grip tape a on them. Yeah, and then I have the bar ends, too. So I have several hand positions, and it doesn't really get you super aero, but it gives you something different. So you're not, no aero bars, no nope. drop bars? No, I don't like that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I mean, you have a gravel bike, though. I do, you, you but do it's the... like my least favorite bike. <laughs> <laughs> I never ride it. I mean, it's, it's my rail trail bike. It, you know. Are you still riding the same fat bike, then? Um. So I bought the initial, like, you know, fall in love with fat biking was a red uh, carbon buck saw and then i realized like you know this is not the perfect bike for anything it's really good for everything but it's not perfect so i sold it and bought two bikes to replace it i had a trail bike for margie and a bear grease for kanza with the law fork and that's a perfect setup you know it's lighter mm-hmm. Um, you don't really need the full suspension on a fat bike. I mean, except for I bought another Buckstar recently because I missed it so much. <laughs> I, I got the green one this time. So, yeah, I mean, it's... So you have two fat bikes now? Uh, yes, currently. Yeah, and I had a Mucklock I used for bike packing, but I went with Jaron and James Withers, and those guys were so freaking fast on their 29ers. I, I, I had the, you know... <laughs> The bags in the back with the rack, and it was Full just like, oh, this is and... ridiculous, you know, trying to keep up with these guys. So <laughs> I sold that bike. So. <laughs> yeah, because it was the bike's issue, not. Well, a... I mean, it was definitely a slower bike with five-inch tires. Sure, but, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Those mucklucks are not light. Yeah. No, they're they're beasts for sure. And we did this like 700-kilometer loop in Canada. I remember seeing. Yeah. yeah, and it was supposed to, you know, like have the worst storm in a long time coming. So we had like. Our, like, seven-day trip was, like, down to four days, so we had to really hurry. <laughs> um, what's your, what do you feel about the Lauf, the Lauf Fork? Are you a big fan of that? I love it on the fat bike, for sure. It's uh-huh. just, you know, it really kind of chews up some of that, uh, some of that, you know, bumpy road that you hit. Um, it's been so long since I haven't used it that I don't really remember... I either have a regular suspension fork on every bike or a loft, so... Okay. Yeah, and it's light, you know? I mean, it's like, it's not much different than having just the standard carbon fork on there, and but you get the suspension. I mean, I don't know if I'd do Margie on it, but... Sure. Yeah. So but you, you might. 
I mean, I'm sure it's been done. One of my buddies won the the Fat Bike 50, and he was given a loft fork as part of oh, his really? like prize for. He didn't end up using it, but I thought, well, it must be good for this course if they're like sponsoring the event. And I don't know. James Withers has one on his fat bike, and he does every kind of riding on it. So, huh. do you do the? Have you done the the full hundred, Margie? Yeah, I buckled in 2016 on the Bucksaw, and okay. then ever every year since I've never been close. <laughs> but <laughs> I you, think but going you, into you, it, you, not having you a clue what a, I was getting you into. You buckled on a, on a fat bike, Yeah. Though. Wow. But yeah. you did the Allen Back last year, right? I mean, I attempted it. it I didn't as a lot of people attempted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not many people finished that. Uh, was it like five finished? I It was more than that. I mean, it was half the people finished. Oh, um, half at 50%. And, I mean, there was quite a few buckles. I think there might have been six or seven. And the thing that kills me, you know, and I love Todd so much. He's like a brother for sure. My wife says I can't be friends with him, but, you know. I don't know if I want your two minds working together. <laughs> no like, way. That, no that sounds way. terrible. Like, <laughs> but, you know. The, what killed Michigan cycling? The thing Roy I really hate is just the, the, the extra miles, you know. Like, the out and back, I had it in my head what mile per hour I had to do to buckle, and I was on pace. And then I got to the point where it said 100 miles, and I was nowhere near the halfway point. And I'm just like, you suck, Todd. <laughs> so, yeah. And then it was just like, you know, I don't know, through the night stuff. I've I've tried that uh, Mad Acker Manistee 250 a couple times. That mm-hmm. starts at midnight. Well, you're not getting any sleep before then. Yeah. And then it's, you know, the most brutal 250 miles. Actually, it's 300. I mean, he calls it the 250. It's not even close. Um, but somebody actually finished that recently, which blew my mind. And really? Never, yeah. Even Acker hasn't finished it. He's done three laps out of four, but never done the fourth. And somebody last year, I think, finished it. And it's crazy. I mean, you start with no sleep, and then you go for... You know, 300 miles of oh the worst stuff you can possibly yeah, think of. So you're literally you're looking at probably like a 48 hour. It was fun. I mean, I gotta say, the first <laughs> year he hid these books in the woods, and he would tell you at the beginning of your lap, like on the Barkley marathons, like yeah. your number's 12. So when you got to the book, you had to pair, tear the 12th page out and bring it back, and then you didn't know what your next number was till you got back to the start. So you couldn't tear any extra pages, but these books were, you know, hard to find in the woods. And and he's like, oh, the first lap, just stay with me and I'll show you where all the books are. Well, that's, you know, staying with Acker. Come on, baby. That, no, not many people could do that. So, Speaking of Acker, though, you, uh, I, I saw that you, for uh, the previous crusher, the sort of hammer, um, you came in second, right? I mean, behind behind Acker, right? Right. That was like in 2000. On a um, I was on a Bucksaw, but I had the 3.0 tire, so like a plus. Um, so the funny thing was, I mean, you know, Crusher's huge now. It wasn't quite as big back then, so it's not quite as impressive. You as don't it have sounds. to say that. You can yeah. just claim it as you know. Well, there's a funny story here. So there's a couple actually. So that year, the tracker, the tracking beacon, was optional. And Acker kind of showed up like, yeah, you know, I'm not sure I'm going to do this. Yeah, shows up at the last minute and does it. So that was kind of a bummer because I would have won, you know. <laughs> but he didn't have the tracker. So when I was done, oh, cool. everybody emailed me like, oh, congratulations, you won the hammer. You know, I'm like, yeah, hey, I was three hours behind, you know. <laughs> 
But at the beginning, we're all there, and it's, you know, it's relatively informal. Like, this, they told you, like, y'all got to camp here, and you'll know when you got to wake up. We're not telling you when it's going to start. What the hell, Todd? And so, in the middle of the <laughs> That's night... That's like a Barkley Marathon thing, Yeah, too. in the middle of the yeah. night, when it's raining, we hear the, uh, you know, the Africa song or whatever. The you know, Toto, like... About the, the rain. Yeah, and rain, the rain yeah, coming down. and it rained all day, you know? So, you have an hour once that song starts playing. It was like three in the morning or something. Oh so, my. we get up, and of course, we prepared ahead of time, <laughs> but still, while we go over to the start... And Todd's like, uh, yeah, just go ahead when you're ready. And we're like, is that the start? And he's like, yeah, yeah. So it was pretty <laughs> informal. So we all go, and like 20 minutes in, Acker's like, oh, crap, I forgot my wallet. And he turns around and goes back. What? To ca- yeah, and then about an hour later, he goes flying past us. Because, <laughs> you know, at some point you get to Lance and there's some places you can buy food. Yeah, he didn't want to show up, and he knew he'd be by himself at that point, so he's not going to borrow money. So yeah. <laughs> anyway, what? it was fun. It did rain all day, but it was it was a blast. I mean, it was it was a lot of fun. Was and that then, so? The hammer was that the same course then as the next year when it was no crusher hammer was a big loop. Okay. Um, that the halfway point or so was Lance, and you still had to go up uh, Mount Arvon. So was it a loop from Marquette or from? Marquette. Okay, so it's kind of probably more like what this, what year. this year's going to yeah, be. Yeah, but shorter probably, too. I mean, I, you know, because it always gets harder with Todd. Yeah, harder geez. and longer. Well, I think this year they're, he's saying like something around 250. 240, 250. Yeah, they yeah. Just, if he yeah, says he, 240, it's going to be 250. I've seen the files. It's I've about, seen the file. It said yeah, 250. Yeah. But so that scares me that it says 250. I know. <laughs> no wheel sensor. I'm sure he never uses one, so... That seems to be a debate I see quite a bit. Yeah. <laughs> is he using a wheel sensor? Is right. It... <laughs> I don't know. It's so if a... you're not using a wheel sensor, it's usually a little low, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah. So like Margie, he always says, oh, that comes in right at 100. <laughs> like that first year I did, it was 110. <laughs> and I honestly, like I had no idea what I was getting into, which was, it was a godsend. I mean, it turned out so well. I actually lost my Garmin about 20 miles in like i i crashed the garmin came off and i didn't realize it and i kept going and once i realized it, i'm like i can't go back i might i might miss the cutoff the 12 hour you know i assumed i was going to get the buckle which was stupid but <laughs> it worked out well so i get near the end and the the last time you're coming into jackson mine park it's like that you know before the the hardest 15 miles or so i there was a guy ahead of me and i passed him and then I thought, well, I don't want to slow this guy down right after I passed him, but I'm coming up to an intersection, and there's two arrows. One of them has got this big red arrow, and it points to the left, and it said, like, dropouts, medical, and something else, but I couldn't read it. And the other one said, you know, to the end. So I just went to the end. Well, I turned, and I kept getting further away from town, and I, like, had hardly any water or oh, food. No. I'm like holy crap, I, I missed the last checkpoint. <laughs> but I didn't want to turn around, you know, because so I, I thought, if I go back, like, you know, and it was optional. You didn't have to stop there. <laughs> but I wanted to, and my, my support guy was there and everything, and so I just kept going. <laughs> I didn't have any lights, you know. So I got to the end, and I had, like, I think 21 minutes to spare, and I buckled, and I, like, and I joked. 
I said to Todd, where's the start to the next 100? Because I had done Dirty Kansas that year, and it was 200 miles. Yeah. And, and then, of course, he does the out and back like a few years later. <laughs> and they're doing that only every five years? Yeah. yeah. That was invitation only, too, wasn't it? Or? You had to apply. Okay. Um, and then... I don't know how many people like applied and didn't get in, but yeah, yeah, you had to have some kind of proven. I think you probably had to have finished the hundred before. I don't really know what their criteria was. Who knows, Todd? I mean, he doesn't tell you. Well, even the Barkley marathons, they have like one sacrificial lamb that they think they have no chance of finishing, but they just want to see what'll happen, kind oh, right. of thing. And <laughs> so I don't know. It's crazy. So do you still have a Garmin sitting somewhere in the woods? Up I in... went back the next day and found you it. You found what? it? I knew exactly where it was because I'd only crashed once, and. I didn't know, like, mileage-wise where it was, but I knew when I got there. So we rode the course from top of the world. And when we got to the spot, I'm like, this is it. It's here. And it was right next to the trail. There had to be hundreds of people that passed it that the day, you know, because I was near yeah. the front. And uh, nobody picked it up because it was a it was a section where you really had to pay attention. There was lots of rocks. So no nobody even noticed it. Now I have my Garmin in this bright yellow you know rubbery thing so that it's more noticeable yeah those buffer and i try and secure it to the the bars with like a zip tie or something but i mean i found it and it worked and it was still my file was still there of course i didn't have the second half of the race actually i had i was running two garments because i thought if i run out of battery power and i had an old one so i actually was able to stitch together those files and have the whole thing for strava but it was crazy i found it that's that's nuts yeah um, so f- when you, when you were starting, uh, doing a lot of the competitive fat biking and racing DK and all this, um, what have you noticed as races like DK are getting bigger, but then I think kind of all over the country, well, gravel's huge, but then just these big endurance cycling events are just getting bigger and Michigan's bigger. Michigan's got like six or seven of them now. Adding more and more miles, like competitively, what have you noticed about more people coming out, more people being more competitive, and how that's kind of affected your own uh, I guess career as a, as a cyclist? I mean, I don't know if this directly answers it, but when I've done races like Word of Shore, even the Hard Rock, the 48, which I do every year, and I mean, I, I love that race. It's the one that got me you know, really serious about doing this stuff. Um, I notice that people are just like not terribly tolerant of other people and hostile. You know, if somebody will like miss a turn and wipe out and slow people down and you get these, you know, people dropping MFers and it's like, dude, chill out. We're just riding our bikes, you know? Yeah. But that doesn't seem to happen in these long gravel races. It's like people care about each other people talk to each other and they'll and, stop to oh, check yeah. on somebody like if and, somebody's down yeah. you're gonna stop and if you have a problem you know like if you're doing Iceman and you have a problem like you're not gonna win period yeah <laughs> but you can change i had a flat last year and had to plug it and pump before the first checkpoint i got passed by two fat bikers I got to the first checkpoint knowing there wasn't going to be a second checkpoint. So we're talking 90 miles between. I at, flipped my bike at over. DK? Yeah. Yeah. And I started to take the front wheel off. And I just said, I'm going to take a calculated risk and just keep the plug in and hope for the best. Because, like, I have a, I have got tubes if I need them. Yeah. And it's going to be much better to do it now than later. But if I don't have to do it, then that's, you know, the best scenario. 
and so I just took a chance and the plug held and you know I was able to I, I there were two guys ahead of me and one of them had won a lot of stuff he'd won land run and on the fat bike and mm-hmm. so I was concerned about him and when I caught him I saw him up ahead and I just went as hard as I could flew right by him and said hey Jacob how's it going and then I caught up to the the guy that has finished second a couple times uh, Kurt McKenzie and uh, he you know I was dying and I didn't let him see it and he said you know this is the furthest I've ever gotten with you when you drop me you know just don't be too and I'm thinking oh my god he's just giving up like I I barely can catch my breath and he assumes I'm gonna win this is great wow it's that mental game we passed the vegan cyclist that you had on and we're in his video he talks about two fat bikers passing him that's (laughs) us that's me and Kurt and uh, he's like I tried to stay on their wheel and I couldn't do it you know he was struggling and uh so anyway Kurt and I are going and I'm like if I can recover enough like you know he's mentally checked out on this even though I thought like I was gonna have a hard time hanging on and then all of a sudden bam he got a flat and i'm like it's over like i got he's never coming back mentally he's done and he finished second still i mean he was able to recover from that and finish second so i mean he but you know at that point i think the the second half of that day we were lucky enough to have a tailwind so i mean like you know it'd be tough to catch somebody at that point wait what year was that 2019. That was 2019. Yeah. So, yeah. like, it, at the ultra events like Kanza and um, Margie, is there kind of this side community amongst the fat bikers where you, everybody kind of knows each other? Like, yeah, I guess it, like it, there, in, there's in single speed. There's, there's the gravel family, the gravel community, and then is there like another? Is there the subculture? Like, I mean, of, there's definitely some guys that are, you know, that do it a lot. This coast to coast, that was probably the toughest field i've ever faced on a fat bike last year and yeah. i was i mean a guy came back from arizona who's crushed me at iceman multiple times uh steven terry and uh you know uh jesse gould uh my training buddy um andy thompson um jake romacco who's a neighbor of mine that's super strong i mean i really knew that that was going to be my toughest battle <laughs> on fat bike and like within the first 60 or 80 miles we got to the Kranza course so all of a sudden it's home turf baby and the first real tough segment of coast to coast is called the ctc wake-up call and that is part of my course and it's this nasty nasty sandy two-track with huge puddles and i mean you really have to go all over the road to get around them and we're in a group of like 20, 25 guys, and all the, the best fat bikers are there. And so I'm like, I'm 130 or 150 miles from the end, and this is where I'm going to attack because I know this is the spot. But I knew the only way it would work is if I caught another group ahead of me, which I had no idea if there was people how far ahead they were. Right. So as we started going down this paved hill i knew we were going into this two track i slowly worked my way up to the very front and i hammered like it was Iceman. i was <laughs> heart rate in the 170s and one guy on a gravel bike stayed with me and the rest of the 20 guys were back and all the fat bikers i talked to after said they never even saw me go and so we went through the segment that's probably three or four miles and on the other end we started to pick up one guy that had dropped off at a time 
and we had Wheeler with us and some strong guys, and of course none of them are on fat bikes. And I thought, I absolutely, after that much work, have to stay with this group no matter what, like the rest of the way. And it was so hard. I mean, it was the <laughs> hardest race I've ever done. And I took my turns on the front, and it was the only time I got to rest because I, I pulled it way back, and nobody complained. <laughs> so I mean, when, when do you ever you know rest on the front? Yeah, yeah. rest on the front. It was it was the key to success. It was wow. incredible. And this was eighteen, nineteen. It was last year, twenty nineteen. Yeah. yeah, it was. And uh, second and third on fat bikes sprinted it out at the end, and my my buddy Jake took second, and he was you know thirty minutes back, but. It was, I mean, those guys, I, I knew Stephen Terry's a strong dude, and he weighs 50 pounds less than me. So you so, didn't want to sprint with oh, him. I didn't want to climb with them. I didn't want to do anything. And so I knew, you know, Strategy. I knew what I had to do. That's incredible. I hope I never have to do it again. It was terrible. <laughs> it was terrible. Oh, my God. Well, what, you had a pretty high overall finish. 13th, I 13th, think. 13th, yeah. yeah. That's 12th amazing. 12th the year before, so. Okay. Yeah. That's it's good. I mean, the fat bike is good on that course. There's some sand. Yeah. There were these downhills that had signs at the top, like, care, caution, sandy, you know, bottom, go slow. We just bombed them on the fat bikes because you, don't, you, know, you sure. don't have to worry about it. Yeah. So that was fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. After the first few groups of people had ridden the Kranza course this year and started talking about the 60 miles of sand... I had flashbacks of Sancho last year, oh. and that's like 50 miles of sand. I was like, I don't want to do that. <laughs> You'll love next year's course. Well, I'll, I'll have wider tires next year. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I did I did Sancho on 38s, and it was Ooh. just miserable. Ooh. It was terrible. That's crazy. <laughs> was it single speed, too? Or no, not? so okay. I rode geared on that. It was my Cat X, but uh, now that I can fit 47s on that frame, I was going to do until... 2020 went to shit yeah. uh i was gonna do sancho single speed all these might still be able and to. coast to coast so we'll see what yeah sancho is well that was always in july right august is or it, no no july yeah. i the thought weekend it was after yeah, july kansas usually yeah it's, oh, really? it's the weekend yeah. after kansas yeah okay yeah. oh so june yeah well yeah. no sancho got pushed back now to october oh okay okay gotcha because now it goes sancho berry coast to coast yeah so what are you what are you racing this season then i mean all of them all of them <laughs> so are you coast to coast coast to coast are you do, gonna do a crusher um um weekend we're doing, or, we're doing that the original a long weekend oh yeah. you're going the original yeah what time are you starting uh 6 a.m sun up yeah yeah we're, st- we're starting at 6 a.m nice. that, that so a few of us uh brett miller mitch cool. DeYoung, um the uh, guy jill cantwell who puts on the uh um, Cowpie Classic, which nice. is one of the gravel series. Uh, Sebastian Stankowitz, um, we're all going to go and give it give it I'm a go. Sure so we'll, we'll see. see we'll see yeah. it there. That's fantastic. Yeah. Cool. I already had like the the weekend off and the yeah. you know all the the lodging. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be. I honestly, and I don't know how you feel, but I'm glad it's it won't. I don't think it'll be as competitive right. or competitive at all. Right. And I'm very happy about that. Yeah, it's going to be an adventure. It'll You're be right. fun. Yeah. yeah. What are you gonna ride fat bike for that? I've been debating between the Bucksaw and the Epic, but mm-hmm. I I've been riding the Epic so and that's the guy I'm going with, Jake Ramakel, he's doing an Epic, so we're just gonna do the same. That way we can share tubes if we need to. Sure, and, yeah. Yeah. That's smart. I think all of us are gonna do mountain bikes basically. Yeah. Um and I'd get 
like last year? I mean, what what bike did you ride last year? I did a hardtail niner, um, twenty niner, but oh. it was a uh, uh, niner was the brand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I mean, mean I, my butt hurts so much, but I had a heavy pack, so I'm going to try and keep the weight off the back and sure. got full suspension. I mean, so. looking at like Mark's bike and even, um, well, uh, Mitch rode a mountain bike. But Nick Stanko rode a drop bar bike, but wow. they're all those like monster cross bikes. Yeah, like, they they were twenty nine er frames yeah. with okay. with drop bars. Okay, on. but uh, like I mean, Todd Poquette's bike kind of kind of like the, yeah. the the bear claw. But like, uh, but like Bo Jackson, Nick's yeah. was like a he had bought a Focus twenty nine er hardtail and then he just threw drop bars on it. Okay, which I kind of want to do, but I think you could with yours. I could, but then I have to get like whole. Anyways, that's that's a whole other thing. But um, but anyway, we're just we're just riding mountain bikes. Yeah. Cool. Um, I'm excited for it. Yeah, it's gonna be fun. Yeah. Beautiful, I'm sure. Um, so Kranza started 2016. Um, and I know this year it's kind of. It, is it similar to the Crusher where people are just signing up and doing it at their own that's one option but, okay yeah we also have august 15th as our date now oh you yeah. have an actual date to, yeah. yeah okay so assuming it's you know the numbers are good and in our state then sure. we'll go forward with that date and i mean we could even stagger some of the starts if we need to but i mean in the past the way it's worked is you show up you get a payday bar I lost all my payday bars in the flood, so we'll see if I'm going to have a full <laughs> gamut of those at the, at the, on the 15th. Are we talking fun size paydays? No, or full like size, full size, Okay, all right. Oh, yeah. And then at the end, if you're there when I finish, you get free beer. So that, that you pay is... nothing to get in, and I've had race directors, you know, take me out to lunch and want to take over the race. Really? So far, I haven't done it, so um, That's awesome. What kind of numbers, like, so last year's probably... a one of your biggest years i yeah. would assume and this year it's kind of an odd odd one so i wouldn't really count it but so what, what what were your numbers last year i think we probably had about 30 something people show up um this f- year we have 75 registered on bike reg which, which is substantially i mean yeah. it's like twice it's every year it's gone up yeah a lot and was it last year that no one finished no it was uh i think it was 2018 mm. <laughs> yeah I mean, and before this year, we only had four different people that had finished it in four years. Some people more than once, but... Sure. I mean, this but, year, the hardest course we've had, we've had seven people finish it already, and six of them were brand new people. Wow. So it's, yeah, I mean, it's taken off, and some hardcore guys are showing up that's, to do it. That's cool. I, I mean, I know, yeah, Tristan, um, which, which we talked about, he, he was pretty upset about the not but, being able but to Kevin finish it. But Kevin Ryan finished it. But yep. yeah, Kevin Ryan and that, he had that a group crew. Before, yeah. yeah. They waited through the, the Beaver Dam area that I guess is not normally flooded. We have a reroute where you can avoid that. Well, they, they didn't know about it, I guess. So <laughs> they just went straight through. They were like waist deep in the water with their bikes above their heads. And I said, please tell me you knew about the reroute and you just went through the water anyway because i was thinking that's great i love that and they were like we didn't know there was a reroute so yeah yeah i think kevin was the only one not on a fat tire and he was like it was hard there were two guys that finished yesterday jaron and ron and neither one were on a fat bike really yeah jeez but i don't know i mean that's uh there's definitely a big advantage for that 60 miles or so on a fat bike and then the rest 
you know, you don't really need it. But yeah. Um, Roy, I, I'm going to ask you a personal question if you don't mind. Uh, sure. How old are you? Uh, 47. 47. So yeah. when you started getting super competitive, you were in your 40s. Yes. Um, I'm interested to know your take on being a competitive athlete as in as as you're in your 40s as as you're aging a bit um and how that is still a obviously a possible thing for people to do like do you have any thoughts on on that that's a great question uh i think a lot of people like you know when when i was doing the mmba series in the expert category, the 30-year-olds would start ahead of us, and we would pass almost all of them. The 40-year-old group was super strong. Mm-hmm. And I think part of it is, like, you know, when you're in your 30s, you don't really have to train as much, and you have little kids, and you get in your 40s, and you start thinking, like, I'm, you know, I better do something to, to stay in shape. And sure. my kids are older, so they don't require quite as much time. They don't want you around or whatever. So, I mean, it's, uh, but you feel it every year. You feel a little older. And I try and do something every year different to combat that. Like this year, I bought a smart trainer. It's the first time I've, so I've, I live in Midland. It's completely flat. Like you can ride 100 miles and you've climbed 300 feet. It's similar to Lansing. Yeah. <laughs> so I thought I need to be able to climb. So yeah. I bought a smart trainer. I just got the, you know, the cheaper one, the Wahoo. I don't remember what it's called. It's Kicker Snap. Yeah, it's one of those with two. With the wheel on still? Wheel off. Wheel off. But it's but Direct it's not drive. the yeah, but okay. it's not the main one that they core, usually do. Maybe kicker core yeah, or something. I think yeah. that's what it is. So that, you know, I've climbed more this year before like March than I have like every other year. So <laughs> if I can add one thing like that each year, I feel like, you know, at least I can trick myself into thinking that I'm doing <laughs> something to combat the aging thing. Sure. <laughs> but I don't know. I mean, it's just I just love riding my bike. And you do some beastie trainer rides. Yeah, yeah let's talk about that. Like, yeah. so you, you I put love some the hours. People the tra- hate the trainer. I love the trainer. I mean, part of it is I put something in front of me that says Dirty Kanza, and I, I, I tell myself, like, nobody's doing this except for you. Like, the people I'm competing against are not doing this, and this is how you're going to win. And so that's motivating. But you got to have a show. You got to have a series like Breaking Bad. You need something like that. And. Like, I watched that Flint Police, Flint Town, or that whatever. That was actually really good. I yeah. watched that whole thing during one trainer ride. You know, like, <laughs> you got to have a series. You just get your As mind I'm off on of the it. couch with, like, cheese balls watching, <laughs> I'm like, oh, this is such a great series. He's, he's on his trainer. Thankfully, one of my sponsors is Chamois Butter. So I have a lifetime supply of Chamois Butter. And it's, you need it on oh, the trainer, for sure. I absolutely need it, yeah. <laughs> I'm, uh, they've got me, I don't know if they want me to talk about this, but they have me testing this secret formula uh-huh. that you only put on once. And I wrote, I did the 170 mile ride with one application, felt great, no problems. Really? So they're going to have a new product out, I would think, in the next, you know, little bit. One and done is what I'm calling it. So that's, that's See, I'm, yeah. a, I'm a freak of nature. Like when we did the border to bridge ride. I did 333 miles with no chamois oh butter. Oh my, that's crazy. So I, I, just, I almost never put anything on. Like I, I've started to use it. I, I would not use it, but then like if I had, say, a really big day, and then I would go out the very next day. That's like when I would really want my sh- the chamois butter because it's like oh, I could tell that 
I've had a long day in the saddle previously. Right. But so, but now maybe to combat that a little bit, I will I will throw some on on a big. I've day. had the same bottle of chamois butter for two and a half years. <laughs> like I almost never. Does it go bad? I, don't know. <laughs> I, I haven't I opened it in a while. I don't know. Wow. Um. Yeah. But like when we were doing those that the three hundreds like. Every like stop at the sag, everyone else is like, yeah, putting on new stuff. I'm like, hmm, I haven't put any on yet. That's yeah. amazing. <laughs> I mean, there's, I don't know, this is a kind of a different conversation, but I know a lot of people like have saddle sore issues, and it's a lot of the, it's it's how you your bike is fitted too. If it's improperly fitted, then you're gonna have a lot of issues. Well, but see, also, like, if you're on in the saddle for ten plus hours. The seat can make a big difference. Yeah. I have the Brooks B17 leather saddle, the old-fashioned. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Got that under. I had a buddy uh, that did the Tour Divide, not the race, but the whole ride. Sure. And he said, I did the whole ri- ride. I didn't have padded shorts, and my butt never hurt. And I'm like, whatever seat you have, I'm putting it on every bike. And he said, it's Brooks B17. and Yeah. So I've got it on every bike, and really? it's great. Yeah. See, every bike I've got right now has its stock saddles. I've never <laughs> changed. Wow. I don't change any of like, even the state yeah. that has that, like, $20 whatever saddle. Meh, you're at it. I mean, you have, like, a butt of gold, I guess, or something. <laughs> something just, <laughs> don't, don't yeah, no, nothing bothers me. Like, people are like, oh, I have to change out the saddle. I'm like, well, I've been riding the stock wow. saddle. I try to keep That's a, impressive. My, my two main bikes I try to keep the same saddle just yeah. so it's it feels the same Consistent. It's the, yeah yeah but uh but yeah i i want to just going back to your um thing about motivation and staying riding um no matter how old you are but i was talking to ty schmidt he's the he organized norte he started norte up in in traverse city which is like um norte is the group that gets kids riding and oh, it's, yeah. it's similar to the 906 adventure yeah. team but it's a kind of the traverse city based uh just getting kids involved in in like a like a biking as a club and biking but he kept calling uh cycling a, a lifetime sport which i just absolutely loved absolutely. and because like uh i mean we we all as kids you know you play basketball or do football or whatever and those aren't sustainable sports um you you probably get injured and me as a 36 year old i'm not going to go play football even touch football i will not do it because i'm afraid i'm going to get hurt um or i will be hurt just after playing it for sure but something like cycling you can do that forever and i love that i love to go out riding with my dad i love to go out riding with people of all different ages and it is a lifetime sport and i really like to see people who i mean it's it's great to see people who do it for a full lifetime but then to see people get into it their second half of life or whatever or like get into it at a later age and still succeed and and love it so much i i I just absolutely love it awesome yeah um well anything else that we didn't discuss this is great i mean super i mean there are a few names in michigan that we're like we want to make sure and talk to this person and this person and this person and roy you were definitely definitely very on that, high on the list, awesome. on that list. Awesome. and uh um mostly we want to talk about mark krantz because i know he's your son and uh, <laughs> <laughs> did you see the video i said like after crusher you know i had yeah. all these people congratulate me on my son yeah, winning yeah. the race and she's like 
Come on, just man. Just for the yeah, for the record, <laughs> they are not related. They spelled the name yeah. differently, but <laughs> no, we're not related. Um, I do yeah. love it how it is an ongoing joke between the two of you, though. Right. Well, we met at Margie in 2016. I caught up to him right at the end, mm-hmm. and I had no Garmin. And I'm like, dude, you know, like, how much time do we have? And he said, we got this much time. I said, we're going to make it. And he goes, I don't know. I've thrown up three times. <laughs> <laughs> so I actually beat him at that Margie. He buckled right behind me. But, oh, wow. Uh, and, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm never going to beat him again, of course. But <laughs> you were asking about Kansas earlier and what I love about it. One of the things is it's just like these people that you know you idolize for years are at this race and you start with them i mean they a lot of them line up on the front sure but in 2017 no 2018 my buddy said you know jens void is here today and he had signed up under a different name but he was there you know and i thought how cool is this you know i just this guy's finished the tour 17 times He's worn the yellow jersey more than once. And one one of the best personalities in professional cycling. I mean, he's... And so on the last leg of the race, I caught up to him. And I saw him, and he had the jersey. It was all personalized. And I'm like, dude, are you Jens Voigt, or are you just wearing his jersey? And he said, (laughs) I'm actually him. And I'm like, that's freaking awesome, man. Give me a fist bump. And it's in my video. Yeah. And then I'm like, okay... Like, all I want to do today is stay with him till we get to the Chase Lounge, the Salsa Chase, oh. and I want to get my picture with him. That's my goal for the day. So we got there, and I got my picture with him, and what? it was just like, this is so awesome. He was so cool. Can, and, we, can we use that picture? Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, that'd be great. Yeah, that I can would be send amazing. It to you. It's on. I I had a custom pair of Vans made with our picture Are together. You on the, oh, I should have worn them today. <laughs> oh. So but anyway, I love the fact that you you rolled in rocking the Vans. I'm like, <laughs> I love the style. Yeah. <laughs> so we, wait, the picture of you on the Chase Lounge with the Jens Voigt is on the Vans. On the Vans. Yeah, <laughs> I can send you a picture of those too. So anyway, we're riding together, and there's like a group of four of us. And we're all taking our turns, you know, and I'm just thinking, this is so cool. You know, like, this is amazing. He's on the front, and he rolls back, and he doesn't hook on to the back of the three of us. And I said to the guys, I'm like, guys, this is the chance of a lifetime. I said, when are you ever going to get to beat Jens Voigt in a bike race? I'm like, we got to go right now. And both the guys are like, dude, I'm so tired. I don't want to go. And I'm like, all right, I'm going by myself. So I just put the hammer down and went in and beat Jens Voigt. It was crazy. That is, It was crazy. So, And this is this is the same race where... We always do the beginning and the end the day before so we can see it, you know, make sure you don't have any problems. And then I'm in the the hotel after the race or after the the warm-up ride, and I'm trying to figure out, this is so stupid, but it it worked out really well. I'm thinking, like, what am I going to do when I get to the chase? Like, how do I, how do, what's a cool picture I can do? So I'm thinking I'm going to put the the seat of my bike on my chest and do like the Superman thing. Yeah. So I'm trying to practice that in the hotel. And I look down, there's a huge nail in my tire, sticking in my tire. And I'm like, oh crap. And And this is the night before. Oh, this is the day before. So I call all four bike shops and Emporia, not one of them has a single fat bike tire available for sale. Oh, no. And so I went to Gravel City Adventure Company, you know, the the big, this is like kind of the dirty Kansas shop. Yeah. 
And I go to Adam Blake, who I'd seen on the videos and stuff, and he's the, he was their head mechanic at the time, and I'm like, Adam, I don't know what to do, man. And he goes, how much time you got? I said, I got, I got as much time as I need. And he goes, yeah, let me go home. I got those same tires on my bike. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give them to you. Really? He drove home on the busiest day of the year for his shop, put those tires on my bike. They were the exact same tire, the same size, the same model, the same durability. And and then I, like the Jens Voigt thing would have never happened had it not been for Adam Blake. He's my hero, man, forever. Wow. I love that guy. Well, so. good thing you came in first. Oh. Because. Uh, <laughs> it was crazy. That is it was crazy. And th- so this was 2018. 18? Yeah. Yeah. So then I thought, like, I should just stop racing because it never gets Yeah, any how are you going to top this. that? Like, how is that ever going to be? Yeah, I mean, last year it beat Taylor Finney, who was the World Tour pro at the time, but then he retired. I mean, he had a bad day, of sure, course. Sure, yeah, but, yeah. yeah. But it's, it's still, that's super cool. Hey, a, a win's a win. Yeah, it's yeah. Cra- and one year, I think it was the second year, I I caught up to Dan Hughes, who's won Dirty Kansas overall like three or four times. Mm-hmm. And I said, dude, are you Dan Hughes? He had done this like presentation the day before. And he's like, yeah. And I said, that's awesome, man. Let's ride together. Let's work together. He's like, I'm in my own private pain cave. You just keep on going. So <laughs> I went in and after I passed him, I got a flat, but it sealed up. Uh-huh. So it, it was, I didn't have to do anything. Like there was liquid that had squirted out, yeah. but it sealed up. So I get to the last checkpoint, and somebody who had done the 100 says to me, like, I don't even know who it is. He's like, he had been drinking, and he's like, hey, man, is there anything I can do for you? I'm like, you want to throw a tube in this tire? And he's like, yeah, I can do that. I'm like, sweet. So I keep doing the, you know, chamois butter stuff and whatever else I need to do. And then, you know, it took a little bit of extra time because I'm putting a tube in the tire. Well, I wasn't doing it, but so Hughes got ahead of me. I didn't realize it. But I saw him at the end, and I thought, maybe I could catch him on that last stretch. You know, I couldn't. I came in right behind him. <laughs> but uh, I was at the award ceremony the next day, and somebody said, hey, are you the guy that won the fat bike? And I said, yeah. And he goes, yeah. Dan Hughes came into the last checkpoint, and he goes, some dude on a full suspension fat bike just passed me. <laughs> 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 that is so awesome. <laughs> I mean, that is such a great race. Oh my god, it's just—it's so cool. Well, I hope to experience uh, DK someday. I and, registered um, last year. I didn't get a spot. Yeah. Oh. And uh, and I hope that you can still experience it this year sometime. Yeah. And uh, we'll be watching your uh, progress, of course, through it. <laughs> Do you know of a? Um, is your competition going to be pretty fierce this year, or do you are you not uh, there's sure? There's always one guy I'm worried about, and there's there's one this year too. I'm okay. not, not going to say who, but he knows who it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, well, that's great. Well, very cool. Uh, Roy, thank you. Um, thanks for the beer, and making the trip to Lansing. Absolutely. And then my uh, pleasure. The stories of your cycling adventures but then also just the the things that you provide the opportunities and the events and and the kranza and the stuff that you put on for other people to enjoy cycling um i think it's super cool and it's what makes michigan cycling uh vibrant and exciting so and watching it grow yeah you know every year watching your event grow and grow and the the way people talk about it you can tell it's infamous i think is a good word It's a low-key infamous. Like yeah, nice. the event speaks for itself. But nice. it's that it's that uh, grassroots 
type of event that makes um, like the gravel cycling community and just the. Well, I think that's what's made Michigan gravel so strong. Right. Is it's people like you that have just kind of taken this initiative, made an event, and it's just and then just let it grow on its own. And I mean, I think that's why Michigan, like, you can like I went out to Land Run and say you're from Michigan, and people start talking about all the the different gravel races wow. in Michigan, yeah. and you're like. Michigan's getting famous. That's like, cool. Yeah it, yeah, it was really cool to have. Like, the second you say you're from Michigan, they start talking about Barry. They start talking about Coast to Coast, coast and to coast, just yeah. and just all these events that are coming up. And it's like, yeah, Michigan gravel is rocking. We're so lucky. I mean, we have a great uh, cycling community here. Oh, no absolutely. Doubt. Yeah, for sure. And I think. I mean, since we've started this podcast, I mean, it's one thing to go to events and you meet people at events. But then, like, since we started this podcast, sitting down with the different race organizers, different racers, it's like, you really get this appreciation for how unique and enjoyable our community is. I mean, mm-hmm. it is it is really, like, there's nothing more enjoyable than sitting down and having some beers with somebody and talking for two-plus hours and enjoying every minute of it. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, the, the only better way... The only better thing to do is actually to be on a bike. Yeah. Experience. And then have beers afterwards. <laughs> and then have beers afterwards. <laughs> Hopefully you guys will come out and give the, the Kranz a course a, a shot. Maybe the 2021 yeah. version. The 2020, I don't know if that. <laughs> My widest tire is a 40. Okay. I mean, you know, if you get some rain before you come, <laughs> might be all right. Actually, he should do it like uh, on a, in, in the winter. Speed. In the middle of winter. Winters, when it's... That's the best time to do it. <laughs> Studded tires in the winter. It was, yeah. Oh yeah, Brett went out. He rode with Brett, and he was like, "That ice was wicked." Yes. Oh, that was for he did the the, you you two did the hundred mile. So we we did the new portion of the course. So it had always been the two eighty fives, and the other part of it builds off of that. So it's all one big loop. Yeah. So we were scouting the new portions of the course. So we had a little bit of the eighty five, and then all the new stuff, and it turned out to be about a hundred. And I think that day I went with him was the first day anyone had ever ridden it. And it was, you know, icy and nasty. I went down hard. Then the next time I went, I had studded tires, and it was much better. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) And I said, I'm not riding with anybody without studs because it'll take too long. (laughs) Yeah, you're going to be out there forever. You're going to get hypothermia from standing around. Right. Awesome. This was great. Yeah. Um, Thanks a lot for having me. The Dirty Chain Podcast is a Michigan Midpack Media production in partnership with KOM Cycling, the source for your bike accessories and necessities. Connect with us on Instagram and Facebook at Dirty Chain Podcast, email dirtychainpodcast at gmail.com, or call our hotline at 616-522-2641. If you are enjoying the podcast, please leave us a rating and review on whatever platform you use to listen. Audio editing and original music by Trevor Gibney. Sheldon Little handles the social media, graphic design, and of course, bad decisions. And a huge thank you to Roy Krantz for coming out to Lansing, hanging out on the porch, bringing us Midland Brewing Delicious Midland Brewing Beer. And having a great conversation with the two of us. And as always, keep your chain clean. But get your chain dirty. We will see you in the mid-pack. <laughs>